Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, it's May, but for May, there is some sort of football going on. Tennessee Titans have opened organized team activities, widely known as OTAs, which uh, which gets players together on the field for uh, for some practices that uh, that actually look like football to a certain degree. So months from the start of the season, it's. Uh, it it's you know we'll take it i guess it's uh, it's an exciting time chance to look at uh, some of the injured players how they're moving around a chance to look at some of the rookies and how they fit in with the veterans and uh, the tight tennessee titans as uh, you know they they had an open practice this week where uh, where the media got a chance to look at that we've heard from a, a number of players this week and and as usually is the case this time of year Couple of notable names are are not in attendance, which uh, which is allowed because these are voluntary workouts. And and Mike Vrabel, typically and characteristically this year, does not make a big deal, at least not publicly, of players' absences. So uh, we will we will get into these matters uh, along with uh, one notable NFL rule change on this. Uh, this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast with the usual lineup uh, led by former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, good day, sir. Good day. How you doing, David? Doing great. And uh, John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, how are you? Good. Hope you all are as well. Doing great. And I am uh, I am David Beauclair. Again, this is the Believe in Titans podcast. And uh, uh, big news around the NFL this week is that the uh, the league owners have passed a rule to allow for an emergency third string quarterback again. I, I think everybody looks to the San Francisco 49ers playoff exit as sort of the obvious impetus for this. The you know the the last time the NFL had allowances for a an emergency third string quarterback, I believe that ended in with the 2010 season. Um, the uh, the stipulations this year are that the player has to be on the 53-man roster. That means it can't be someone elevated to the game day roster from the practice squad. And the first two quarterbacks have to be ruled out by uh, coaches and or medical personnel deemed unable to play, which is which is also a change from previously where it was just noted that if the third quarterback gets in the game, the other two can't come back. Now there, it seems to me there's a little more wiggle room here in terms of uh, uh, determining these things. But, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel has said his quarterback depth chart, at least coming out of the draft, he said it, the quarterback depth chart was – Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, Will Levis, but Denard Walker. This is uh, this is good news for Malik Willis, much more so than Will Levis, don't you think? What as far as the three, three quarterback rule? Yes. Uh huh. Not necessarily. If you're Malik Willis, you look at it as a, it's you don't look at it that way. Uh, I know that they went out and drafted Will Levis. I know there's a lot of optimism. I know there's a lot of excitement 
But you have to understand, David, last year we was raving about this young man, right? We were talking about Malik Willis, especially at, at the combines. And we, should, you know, and let's not forget that was your third rounder for last year. Let's not look at the, it's the three games that he started. Let's not look at the three, three interceptions or the zero touchdowns. Let's look at year two. And let's just see how he involves, especially right now in uh, minicamp. John, do, do you think, I, I guess the the, the, first, the next question is, do you think the Titans will keep three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster and, and, and give themselves that, that emergency third option on Sundays? Or, or can you see this team going with just two again and, uh, and rolling the dice that way? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you laid out the rules there uh, beforehand, David, because I think a lot of people just automatically interpret this as sort of like, oh, now there's an extra roster spot, you know, and more, almost like, oh, now there's 54 guys on the roster. No, no, not, not the case. You know, it's still the same amount of guys, 53-man roster. In other words, if you're going to uh, keep a third quarterback to use in emergency conditions, be on, the, on that roster in the first place. So, you know, kind of pros if, if the Titans wanted to go in that direction. And again, uh, as you referenced too, well, I'm assuming that that if, if Levis climbs above Malik Willis, a pro of keeping three quarterbacks would be you're allowing a guy like like a guy who's you know still a project in, in Malik Willis. You're allowing to him to, to have that second year to develop, even if he's not necessarily playing in games. Um, you know, uh, you know, if Tannehill was to go down and you're left with with uh, you know two guys there, you at least have Malik Willis who's familiar with the system already having a year under it, and who's got some experience as well. Another pro, what if Levis isn't a guy that, that's going to be the future? Uh, you know, and, and if you if you cut Malik Willis, uh, you know, and you're left with, with Will Levis, and all of a sudden he doesn't pan out, you know, and, and you're saying, wow, I wish we could have kept Malik Willis around. But uh, at the same time, I think it's a guarantee. It's a lock that they keep uh, three quarterbacks because – how often has it been a, a concern for Mike Vrabel and this team in games over the years? You know, uh, not saying that it can't be at any given time, but it hasn't reared its head all that often, you know, during his tenure here so that that the Titans might be left saying, oh, if we'd only, you know, kept that third quarterback. Um, and and I guess, you know, by the, by the same, we know how, valuable roster spots are to, to every coach, including Mike Vrabel. Is he willing to give up another position player for a third quarterback on that 53? I'm not so sure um, because remember too, again, as you referenced in the rules, the, the, the only way this third quarterback can get in a game is if the first two guys are knocked out. So it's not like you could say, hey, let's keep Malik Willis around and use him as kind of like a gadget player, like a Cordell Stewart kind of guy in, in games from time to time. No, you can't do that. Uh, you know, the only way he, the third guy gets in is if the other guys get, get knocked out one way or another. So pros and cons, I don't, I don't think it's a lock. I, I really don't that, that the Titans would automatically keep three just because they can. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think, I think, uh, as I've thought about this, if John Robinson was still the Titans GM, I would say the odds are slim that they would keep 53 quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. I mean, he he made use of uh, of every roster spot there. And, and you know, there, there's a scenario here where you can have a quarterback on your practice squad 
come Saturday, you can add him to the active roster if you think you're going to need him, make a move that way, and then Monday send him right back to the practice squad if, uh, you know, based on whatever happened in the game. And, and, And that's how I would see John Robinson handling this. The important thing to keep in mind here is Rand Carthen comes to the Titans from the San Francisco 49ers who uh, who ended up without a quarterback in the NFC Championship game. And he's probably is still feeling the sting of that a little bit right now. And uh, and I would think that, number one, makes him more likely to want to keep three quarterbacks and, and have that option available at all times. And the other side of this is, you know, Denard, you said it, Malik Willis was a third-round pick last year, a guy that the Titans traded up for, a guy some people thought was a a first-round talent last year. Will Levis was a second-round pick this year, a a guy that some thought might be a top-10 overall pick this year. If you're going to cut either one of those guys, there's no way they're going through waivers to uh, and get to the practice squad. So if if you're going to if you're going to make this move, what you're do if you're going to go with just two on the active roster, what you're going to concede is you're going to lose one of these guys, and you're just going to find a veteran or somebody out there that that you can add to the practice squad and and go from there and have him be be available to for promotion and then service as a third quarterback if necessary. Do, do you think Denard that that Ryan Tannehill's injury issues last year too? Will that weigh into the the thinking about this? Are are the Titans going to be more inclined to consider keeping three based on the fact that that Tannehill would, you know, didn't show the durability that he did his first three years here? Well, just look at last year and look at what happened. We all know that you're one player away from getting hurt, and that was the difference in this team moving on or going home the last game of the season. And who they end up going out and get Josh Dobbs, and still look at look at your two backups. They're still the work in progress, and they have to learn a new system. We don't know what Liv, Will Levis is, was 2023. He still has got to uh, try to catch up with Tim Kelly's playbook. So he's still a rookie, not to mention Malik is going into his second year. Go back in 2021 and look who the backup quarterback was for Tennessee, Logan Woodside. Just imagine last year if this team kept three quarterbacks then you at least you have a quarterback. Let's say you had a young Malik Willis and you have Logan Woodside who already been in the system and took what five years in Nashville, 2018 left. And then 2022, what does, what did Logan Woodside have that Malik didn't? He had experience. At least experience in the system. system. And he was here. I mean, he was here on the practice squad for a while too, um, before Atlanta added him to the active roster. Yeah, so this would be, I think this would be a huge uh, benefit for Tennessee if you kept three quarterbacks because you got two young guys that we don't know nothing. We know about, about Malik, but we know not Will Levis. We don't know how he is going to grasp Tim Kelly playbook. So it would be feasible for this organization to keep these uh, players because we know we got a 35-year-old quarterback next year. Durability has been an issue. And listen, you got two players that that need the work. I think it would be feasible just just to keep three quarterbacks, just for safety reasons. Because at least with Malik, even if he's beat out, at least you know he has experience in the system. Can three quarterbacks get enough practice time during the regular season, though? Yes, I mean you can make it work. I mean, what you do is we know that the backup quarterback doesn't get that many reps during the season, 
So it depends on the coach. I mean, are you willing to work with three quarterbacks? Are you willing to split the reps between the practice score? Say you have the practice squad quarterback and then your backup quarterback. I mean, is that something that Mike Vrabel is willing to take on? But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that would be the question, especially. I mean, it, it, it's it's not like one of these three, if if it's these three that they have right now, it's not like one of them's Matt Barkley, who's been in the league forever and has been around. I mean, Levis and 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 Willis will need practice time and to to some degree, and that that'll be you know that'll be part of the challenge, I guess, for uh, for Mike Vrabel and Tim Kelly to figure out how to do all of that. Uh, um, John, I'll ask you this. Malik Willis was a was a topic of conversation this week at OTAs. Uh, um, Mike Vrabel said they 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 challenged him a little bit this offseason to to do some things differently. And I I guess predictably that you know they they're painting a positive picture of but picture of all that. But what you know, run through it for us. What 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 are they looking for from Malik Willis? What uh, what do they say they're seeing from him right now? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting because when when uh, Mike Rabel was asked, you know, what what he would like to see uh, Malik Willis continue to work on during this off season, you know, he, he didn't necessarily hear the the answers that maybe we heard more last year in terms of the on field. He wasn't talking about you know being less hesitant in the in the pocket or or uh, you know improving his efficiency that kind of thing. To me, the, the words that stood out, uh, and he talked for a little bit about various things, but the ones that stood out to me were kind of like, we'd like to see a, a better presence uh, from him, kind of a better demeanor, um, you know, more more of a leadership type of presence is kind of the, uh, and I'm probably not quoting it exactly, but that's the sense uh, that, that I got anyway. Uh, um, and, and he said, you know, Mike Brill said, there's only 32 guys who are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So, you know, it's expected that you sort of carry yourself in a certain way um, and, uh, you know, that, that you're a leader, that you're a guy that everybody looks up to. And I don't think he was, th- you know, throwing any shade at Malik. I, I don't think he, he thinks he's trying to say he was a, a bad guy at all. But I, I, I just think that he wants a, a, a little bit more. You know, Malik comes across as, a, as kind of a laid back guy. You know, whether that's true or not, you know, I, I don't really know for sure. But that's sort of the nature of, of his personality. Um, you know, and I, and I went back because um, the one thing that, that stuck out to me after the uh, second, uh, his final start last year, the second time they played Houston, close game. They lost right near the end. He threw two interceptions on each of the last two drives. And and uh, Malik Willis, after the game, you know, was kind of talked about or, you know, was asked about sort of his level of frustration or disappointment. And his quote, I, I went back and, and checked this. He said, he said, it's football. You woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. So I'm just as happy as I would have been if we would have won, you know? Yeah, it's unfortunate and it sucks that we lost, but we'll have an opportunity to wake up tomorrow and learn from it and get better. We still have everything we want in front of us. And he sort of continued. He said, you can be a Debbie Downer about it. That's your perspective, but we're blessed. We still got everything we could want and we have an opportunity to learn from something that might be even better than going out there and doing what we wanted to do, wanted to today. And that quote kind of stuck with me. I don't think Mike Vrabel was ever asked about it per se last year, but it was also the last time that we saw Malik Willis start or play, you know, during during that uh, during the season there. And that that kind of struck me as like maybe what Mike Vrabel was referencing here this this week when he talked about presence, 
demeanor, etc. You know, maybe you want to have that that, or maybe Mike Vrabel wants more of the attitude of of I don't know whether it's anger, uh, disappointment, resolve, you know, culpability, uh, something that 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 you know comes across a little stronger than you know, hey, it's all good. Uh, you know, whether we win or lose, uh, we but we can always work on it going ahead. Maybe, uh, again, maybe th that's what Mike Rabel was referencing here. Maybe he wants teammates to see what the quarterback is saying or doing and say that, okay, I want I want to, to follow that guy's attitude. I want to be just like him. And maybe that's kind of what Mike Rabel is, is referencing in that, in that situation when he talks about things like presence, demeanor, and leadership. Yeah, I, I believe I, I said it on one of these episodes late last season that, you know, you, you give Malik Willis credit because he, he didn't make a – excuses for poor play he he acknowledged no. that that he had to get better but you never got a sense of urgency from him that you know i got to get this fixed right now I, I i have to do more for this team and whatnot and uh if if that if that was the uh the what was imparted to him that that hey you know this your time goes very quickly in this league this is not you know this is not one of those things where you're just gonna it's just gonna happen for you one day you you gotta you gotta get there and you gotta get there quickly I I think that was that was probably a good thing Denard though how how hard how hard is it for Malik Willis right now given what happened to him last year given that you know, this team turned to a guy fresh off the street and Josh Dobbs ahead of him at the end of the season. I mean, absent playing well in games again, I mean, how hard is it for Malik Willis to establish a big presence right now on this team, do you think? It's not hard. It's called a sense of urgency, David. Listen, in this league, when you are a rookie, I don't believe that you're giving a pass but what you have to understand is that that's a first year player. So this, and, and I want to go back and I did a little research and I went back to some of my favorite players and I love Drew Bledsoe. He was, what was the number one pick in 1993 for new England, right? For the Correct. Patriots. Correct. But a great player had a chance to play against him, had the strongest arm I've ever seen in my life, but his rookie year, he struggled in new England. He had a 49% completion percentage, 15 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, David. What about Terry Bradshaw? What Do you love Terry Bradshaw? I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. One, four Super Bowl for the Steelers. You know what his rookie yeah. year he did uh, down in uh, Pittsburgh in 1970? He was terrible. Uh, good. T terrible. <laughs> A terrible. Terrible is an understatement. <laughs> he was zero, zero, five, and one. As a starter, zero, five, and one. Chuck Noll didn't even want to look at him. And not to mention my favorite player, one of the greatest people I've ever had a chance to meet in my life, Randall Cunningham. David, you know this. Was Randall Cunningham in 1985? Was he the magic man that was creating? Just Was he just lightening it up down in Philly? I know you was there, David. Go ahead and say he it. Was, he was not. No. Say it, David. <laughs> he was He was not. No, he was there. In fact, there were, there were people – giving up on him right away that first year saying it was a it was a blown draft pick a blown draft pick. what was it one and it was one touchdown eight interceptions and one and three as a starter yeah and, and, so, I mean, 
And he looked look and to yeah to me to me Cunningham's a a, a good example. You know, like Bledsoe at least was playing and, and gaining experience. You know, you've talked about Peyton Manning and and the the huge interception totals Manning had his rookie year, but but he was playing. You know, Troy Aikman in Dallas, you can look, was terrible, but but he was he playing, and gaining experience. You know, Willis Willis wasn't getting a lot of game experience last year, but but uh, you know, Randall Cunningham, to your point, just a handful of starts and a guy who looked really raw and and uh, you, you know, yeah, he was athletic, but but there was questions. You know, can he play? the position at the uh, at the NFL level and certainly certainly he got there and did some did some pretty spectacular things over the course of his career eventually and that's what we got to let's not forget he's just coming into his second year and I love what Malik said and he says I'm not changing my approach in 2023 just because this team has went out and got Will Levis in the second round I'm not changing the thing and a lot of the reports that I've read uh, from Tennessee is that he's more decisive this year in camp and he has something that he was lacking last year and that's called confident and in this league, if you don't have confidence, David, when you step on that field, it's hard to be successful. This is a young man. Let's not forget, David. Listen, when he started out at Auburn, let's not forget. Look at his numbers. Do, do, do you think he had some great numbers those first two years at Auburn? No, he didn't. He didn't. And that's why he, he didn't. That's why he needed to go elsewhere to play because he wasn't going to well, play there. David, he was 11 of 14. He had 69 yards passing. I wanted to give him one more yard to make it look better at 70. 69 yards. He goes to Liberty, and what does he do? He ends up throwing for over 5,000 yards in two years at Liberty. What happens? He got better, and that's what Malik meant when he says, listen, I'm not changing a thing. There's something that has gotten you there in at that position where you're at today. Don't deviate from that. Just continue to work. And I think you're going to see a better Malik Willis in 2023. But you can argue that in going from Auburn to Liberty, the the talent he faced on a week-to-week basis was significantly less. There's there's no dip in talent anywhere in the NFL coming. I mean, he he has to raise his game, plain and simple. All players, regardless of where you go, you got to raise your game because now you're at a new level. David, I knew you was going to say that. The spirit of David Hudson jumped right into you. <laughs> I couldn't even give the man any confidence. That gum, you writers. But I think, hey, I, I, I love his approach. And, and, and he also said this, and this is how you know that he's maturing as a player and he's getting, you know, that's what happens when you start evolving as a player. He says, listen, I can only focus on what I can control. I know. He, you know why Eli Manning, he, he took a, a pounding from the media for so long because he had that surf, surfer guy. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I know this is the New York. <laughs> I can only control what I can control. That's why people didn't like Eli. That's his demeanor. Why change it? Why change who you are? No, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. John, uh, you know, you were out there. To, you know, did you see, did, did Malik Willis look more Confident, more decisive to you in particular. What what did you see when you watched him? Uh, I thought I thought all three quarterbacks looked pretty good. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't see a whole lot of uh, hiccups out there. I thought I thought there was an awful lot of accuracy. Um, I thought the uh, uh, maybe the two uh, you know maybe the two worst balls that I saw actually were from the other guys, Tannehill and Levis, in terms of trying to complete a couple deep passes that were that were not really close. Uh, but I thought Malik, um, you know, looked uh, looked sharp. Again, these are, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, it's obviously non-contact uh, drills and, and some of it's seven and seven, et cetera. 
but I think he was good. And and Shingo Conquo, you know, one of the guys who spoke for the Titans afterwards and, and like Malik Willis his second year, you know, same same draft class. And uh, he was asked if he'd noticed any changes in, in Malik. And, and he said uh, he thought, what what do you seen so far? And, in, in, you know, a small, limited amount of workouts, more accuracy, better decision making, and also, you know, more efficiency, getting out of the huddle, getting everyone settled at the line. So those are three positive developments, uh, you know, from, from a guy who saw everything in, in Malik Willis uh, last year. So again, it's, it's sort of like, as I, as I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's another case for, you know, potentially keeping three quarterbacks this year is that, again, if it ends up being Tannehill and Levis one and two, and we don't know that for sure, but if it is, you still have that third option, Malik Willis, as, as a guy who's a project, who's still, you don't have to give up on him after one year. You can still develop him, uh, still develop him uh, you know, through, through that second year as well. Uh Let's say this, too. None of those three quarterbacks were throwing against a secondary that included the Titans' best safety, Kevin Byard, or their best cornerback, Christian Fulton. Those two are, uh, are were notably absent this week, or at least the, when the media were out there. Byard is, is sort of the one that really caught a lot of people's attention because of you know the the contract issue and and the perception that maybe it involves some uh, some bad feelings. Uh, John, I'll come back to you first. What do you what do you make of of those two guys' absences? Uh, you know, Fulton's a guy that 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 Mike Vrabel called out in terms of his his injury history at the end of last season. So you know, both those guys have reasons to to have their had have had their feathers ruffled. Is is that what's going on here? Do we think? I think so. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. You know, uh, it's not completely unusual for, for a team to ask a player, a veteran player, to take a pay cut. But at the same time, when that player, a guy like Kevin Byard, one of your, your stud players, one of your great, you know, leaders, whether it's on the field or, or off, whether, you know, it's a guy who's done everything this franchise has asked of him. And I certainly, it, it certainly appears that he was, uh, understandably disappointed and frustrated when he was asked to take a pay cut. That said, the fact that he is has not shown up for for OTAs, I, I think everyone is still going to bat for Kevin Byard. I think you know Mike Brabel uh, said, "Oh yeah, hey, I saw Kevin uh, Kevin at the golf course the other day. We had a good chat. Everything's good. I got no worries about him coming in." Shane Bowen, you know, was very similar. Said, "I have no doubt when Kevin Byard comes in, he's gonna he's gonna be." You know, on, on top of things, he mentioned the fact that he is talking with Scott Booker, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, installing various things. So, so he's staying on top of things that way. Uh, you know, and, and Jeffrey Simmons, uh, his, his teammate, said the same thing. So no one, uh, you know, is in, in the least giving uh, Kevin Byard a hard time or disrespecting him in any way for, for not being there. I think everyone knows that, you know, when the time comes, when it's a mandatory minicamp, probably I think we'll see Kevin Byard. On the, the other hand, Christian Fulton, you know, I get the sense it's a, it's a different story entirely. And as you said, David, I think this this started probably when Mike Brabel, you know, called out basically Christian Fulton and David Long for kind of their history of, of soft tissue injuries and really made it sound as if they played a significant role themselves in the injuries occurring. And understandably, I, I would guess, you know, uh, the, the players, and in this instance, particularly Christian Fulton, Probably not too happy about it. So we do get reports that he is working out. I think uh, Teron Davenport reported that he's working out, you know, has his own 
personal trainer and so forth and in Florida. Um, but at the same time, if you're a reader of, of body language uh, or, or quality of responses, when, when Mike Brabel was asked, hey, you know, uh, where's Kristen Fulton? Is, is he here with you guys at all this week? It was a one word answer from Mike Brabel. Nope. Uh, um, so instead of going to bat for him and saying, I got no worries about Kristen Fulton. He's going to be fine. He's going to be great. It was just like, nope, like th this is a guy that clearly needs to be here, should be here, and and isn't here. Now, maybe Mike Rabel can blame himself for that, you know, for, for singling Christian Fulton out last year. But uh, I don't think it's, it's not a uh, it's not a good situation moving forward, Christian Fulton, as he goes into a contract here. And let's let's reiterate, these workouts are voluntary. There's there, there's, you know, players miss these things all across the league it, it it happens some miss just a day or two some skip the whole thing um you know kevin byard has has missed time in otas before and uh, you know that certainly i would agree there's there's no reason to worry about him but but denard you know christian fulton i don't think anybody doubts is is working out working out hard you know he's he's a he's a proven pro at this point but when your coach called you out should you, you know, is it, is it a good idea maybe to skip this or maybe do you swallow your pride, show up and, and, and sort of try and calm the waters a little bit? For what? You're not getting paid for it. <laughs> <There> <laughs> it's voluntary. Go. That doesn't mean you're not working. I mean, again, looking like an LSU cornerback right there. Well, that, that's why they call it voluntary. I, I didn't see Eddie George around doing voluntary uh, camp. I didn't see Samari roll. I didn't see Eddie Robinson. And none of the, you know what? It's listen. When you are a pro, coach is gonna treat you like a pro. That's the way Jeff Fisher used to say. I love Coach Fisher. He had a he had a rule, and he would say in the off season, you can do whatever it is you want to do. You can go work wherever you want to work as long as you work. And when it's time for like OTAs, when I want you guys to be here, that's mandatory. Then I expect you to be here, and players were there. But for as like voluntary, uh, like voluntary mini camps and things like that. No, you don't have to be there because you, you're not getting paid for it. So if I, players was like, listen, if I'm not getting compensated, I can still go get work done in Florida like Christian Fulton. I can still do my own thing and get ready. But I don't think just because a coach calls you out that you need to be there. Uh, Christian knows what it is to be a pro. And I'm sure Mike Bravo is going to hold him up to those standards. And it'll be interesting to see when when Fulton does arrive and talk. You know, I, I guess I guess it's a possibility that he says – Look, I, you know, I, I found a trainer and, and discussed things and everything is about keeping, you know, avoiding soft tissue injuries. That was my whole approach this offseason, which that'll, you know, that'll be interesting if he's, uh, if he shows up and, and, and says that. But, uh, that, uh, that's the LSU thing. It, <laughs> well, it is DBU, right? I mean, the, the that's guy. Right. There, there's there, there's no question that the guy knows how to play the game. I guess we can we can say that. But uh, all of that is uh, our issues, I guess, for uh, another time. And this is uh, this is going to wrap up this episode of Believe in Titans podcast. So uh, uh, until the next one, John Glennon, thanks as always. Okay, thank you guys. And Denard, uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it, David. Yep. Again, I am David Beauclair. This is the Believe in Titans podcast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.